Hello, my loves. Welcome back to Life Seen Through a Sister's Eye podcast. This is season one. This is a series where we talk about what does it mean to be African in the 21st century and what is the meaning of success? Hashtag black, bougie, and questioning capitalism. My name is Sister Zion. I'm your host. In this uh, particular episode, number nine of the podcast, we are having a wonderful chat with Ancestral Voices. This is the second part of a conversation that was held in October of 2020. And um, we were really getting into um, African spirituality. What is it? How do we practice it? And what is its importance and significance when it comes to the process of decolonizing and decolonization? So grab your pens, your journals. You know the drill now, I'm sure. And... um, Subscribe to the podcast, put your family and your friends onto it, send me a message, tell me what you think about what you're hearing. I love to hear from you. I've had some beautiful messages coming in um, by text. <laughs> People who know me <laughs> have kind of like bypassed the, the form. I have a contact me form if you don't know me. You can find it at the link in my bio on all of my social media platforms. You also find it in the notes at the bottom of the podcast. Um, but yeah, folks have been hitting me up, texting me, family members have been texting me, expressing like just their excitement and gratitude for the podcast, which is beautiful because I am telling a family story and um, friends as well have been hitting me up. So people across the world, really Africans in Canada, in Switzerland, Western Australia, um, folks in Uganda as well have been hitting me up and telling me how much they enjoy um, the podcast. So hit me up. Let me know what you think. Let me know particularly what you love so that we can uh, make this a co-creative process and I can bring you more of what you love. So that's what African spirituality is. It is about understanding those natural processes and forces and how you connect to them, how you can complete an, uh, or, com- or be part of an ecosystem that has balance, that has harmony, that feeds off each other such that, in a sense, Things don't fall out of kilter or there's an imbalance created. That is essentially what African spirituality is. Yes, yes. The conversation I conversation inviting us into inviting us into inviting us into inviting us into one about one about one about there's one thing you said in there that really popped in there like black people like is this the same is this the same it's the same one isn't it? It's the same one, isn't it? You know what? Another thing the whole album is right. Okay. It was written for his family. It wasn't written for a public address or anything. It's very short. He said, I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy, geography, natural history, naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture, in order to give their children, and you notice he shifts from his sons to children. So he's bringing women in to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, architecture, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain. Now that's the upward climb for him. Not so they'll get rich, or they'll get powerful, or they'll be celebrities. It's the rise of the cultivated, civilized civilization he proceeds. And it all comes out of what you do at the beginning, building this foundation, creating this Guest here. I am Karanga Achihera from a place labeled Southeast Africa.
Africa or Zimbabwe. And you? Are you ready to reclaim, redefine, and replenish your imagination? Your ideas of who you are, what you are, and what you're made of? Are you ready to snatch back control over your imagination from the visions we never explicitly consented to carry forward, but which we nonetheless find ourselves unconsciously tending to as we go along with the crowd? Then, dear rebel, you're listening to the right podcast. I'll be your guide and mostly your companion on this journey as we reclaim our imagination and deeply root our lives in ways of being that uplift both our own and collective liberation. We'll travel to the beat of a dream-enhancing soundscape that is lovingly curated with bursts of poetry, short stories, sound art, and chats with the guests who will join us during our quest. More than just listening to what we have to say and the soundtrack to our road trip, as you chill in the back of a tour bus, I'm extending an invitation for you to listen in with explicit intention to get curious about your own inner world. If it feels good, I invite you to make yourself a nice cup of tea, light a candle, burn some incense, perhaps grab a cozy blanket and few cushions, get comfy, it's story time, mine and yours, ours. You may wish to pull out a pen or better yet to keep a journal where you can doodle, collage, draw and take notes of memorable moments as we make our way across this soundscape. On a quest for stories that create new and clear visions, new directions. We'll touch base with black African creatives, creators whose imaginations are tapped into practices of living on their own terms, including living beyond the imposed group identity of black and African and success and we'll focus on two questions what does success mean and what does it mean to be african in the 21st century are you ready all right get comfy it's story time it was written narm birarunga sunday the 9th of july 2023 dear 17 year old sai Listen, I want to leave you a really quick note about balance. I know it sounds like I'm talking about having work-life balance and all that sort of stuff. Mm, not really. That's more than like a capitalist paradigm. Hold on. Stick with me. I know this doesn't make sense to you right now because you don't have the language yet and the tools yet to actually understand that the system you're living in is capitalism. But let me, give me a chance to explain. The balance that I'm talking about is not work-life balance. It's not about resting enough so that you can go to work and climb that ladder. I'm not talking about that. For a while there, though, in your life, you will subscribe to that story. But then as you begin to divest from those ideas of success that are deeply rooted in colonialism and racial capitalism, you're going to start thinking of balance in a different way. And to a large extent, I've already exposed you to some of this, these ideas and concepts already in previous conversations during this podcast series. The balance, though, that we're talking about, especially what you will find when you delve deeper into African spirituality and you really start to look at philosophies like Ma'at and Ubuntu, Utu, Honu, is about keeping an ecosystem healthy and thriving. And you do that by making sure that you don't take more or don't take without replenishing, that there's an equal balance of giving and receiving within every community that you're a part of. This won't always be easy to achieve because we do live in a system, again, capitalism, that believes in exploitation. So taking from people, stealing from people in order to create a profit for another person. We do live in a system that is based on extraction. So really turning the earth into one big resource um, 
for endless mining as if it can ever be endless. And so we live in a system where everything is commodified and everyone is objectified and everybody becomes a commodity for sale, a product. That kind of system is in imbalance. And so when we start thinking about African spirituality and decolonization, balance in an African sensibility of the word becomes quite important for you to understand. And you'll get there. You'll actually understand it because of relationships that you're in that are inherently imbalanced because of patriarchy, because of misogynoir. You will start to realize as you go down this path of creating art and um, that people expect you to give and constantly keep giving, but you aren't replenished. And you begin to question this dynamic. And you'll see that it's not necessarily that people are bad people. It's that we live in systems where a person who looks like you, a person who looks quote unquote black and like a woman is expected to constantly give. And people will come to you constantly taking without replenishing. And so become a part of your journey in setting boundaries, a part of your journey in establishing balance in your life will be about establishing relationships, ecologies, ecosystems, where there's an equal amount of give and take. And so you will start to look at your own self, the relationships that you're in, as a person who is a guest on stolen land especially, how do you maintain balance as someone who's a colonizer, essentially? How do you maintain balance and make sure that you're giving back to the indigenous peoples as much as their lands are giving to you to sustain you? That's all I have to say. And that's journey. That's a huge part of your journey. It's probably 20 years worth of your journey. And um, keep going. It's a lifelong journey. It never ends. The learning only gets deeper. Decolonization is a lifelong process. And it's a legacy that we create for future generations. And it's healing that we do for past generations as well. It was written. I think it's really important. I find this time that we're in actually very fascinating and that it is causing a lot of people to have that existential crisis that I think drove a lot of people to decide you know, embark on this work like maybe 10, 20 years ago, but now we're finding, oh, the awakening is expanding. It's got to be my life. Who am I really? I can't just be my car. I can't just be my career. I can't just be, which is, you know, I think uh, capitalism, predatory capitalism in particular, it links a lot of our self-esteem and our self-worth to the material, the material world, um, which is something like you actually um, suggested a book. Oh, I love that book. Spirit, <laughs> which I love too. And Malidoma Somme, you know, somebody whose name is, you know, go make friends with a stranger. It's like, go out there and teach these people who are too wedded to materials, the material, that they need to come back to the center, you know, and kind of uh, uh, reconnect with the spiritual, with the spiritual realm. And at the same time, you know, I think, it's, it's, I don't know if it's in this book, it's a book on, on another book on ritual, where he says that sometimes in Africa, we're too wedded to the spiritual and we kind of need to move more towards, like we need to have a balance between the spiritual and, and the material. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm also reading some other books, especially in, in 5pm Storytime, which is like a private Facebook group where I read daily to people, where I've been connecting with um, indigenous wisdom from here in Australia, mm-hmm. um, the city, the state that I'm living in, and also in Canada, um, where they're talking about plant wisdom. Yeah. Um, Right? And how disconnected, like, you know, when, when humans see themselves as the center of the world mm-hmm. and everything in the world is of service to us. So we, I mean, now we're talking about climate crisis as well, mm-hmm. I mean, we're about climate yes. crisis, which is part of climate crisis. Yes. <laughs> you know, so exactly. we have to see that un, until we connect with our spiritual selves, a lot of these larger political, social, collective issues actually can't be rectified. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> our relationship to each other, to the natural yes. world. Yes. So what is African spirituality then? Like, what exactly are we talking about here? Um, is it, like you say, it's not a, it's not a religion. Mm. It's science of self. Mm-hmm. It's 
a series, is it doesn't necessarily have to be a series of ritual practices? Mm -hmm. Well, African spirituality in its most basic form is a, a science of life. It's a natural science. Um, and so if we're talking about life, you can see the diversity in the life form and the diversity in the natural processes that occur, sisters, you know, as you said, it was raining on your, your, on your part of the world. It was raining just last night as well as we woke up. It's still cloudy and moody here even. Yes? So the rain will fall. It will allow plants to what? To have some uh, nutrients to germinate. That plant will germinate and it will become food for us. It will also sustain us. And then the process will keep going. There's so many varied processes in, in, in nature. So that's what African spirituality is. It is about understanding those natural processes and forces and how you connect to them, how you can complete an, uh, or, com or be part of an ecosystem that has balance, that has harmony, that feeds off each other, such that, in a sense, things don't fall out of filter or there's an imbalance created. That is essentially what African spirituality is. And um, the role of rituals, when you say you always need to do ritual, again, the many most people hear the word ritual automatically right. they think of a whole elaborate ceremony, you yeah. know, which is going on for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and people are dancing and drumming and you know they might be eating or sacrificing this or that and the third. Even the very thought processes that you allow to run through your mind you can consider a ritual. Because one of the you know, you've heard of these things, they call them positive affirmations. Yes, because with these affirmations, as we do them regularly and often and consistently, what you are creating is a ritual. And it becomes a ritual of motivating your psyche and yourself onto more, and should we say, greater things, whatever that might mean. So just those thoughts and sequences of thoughts, it's like, again, it's like a process. It's like how your, your, your body will digest food. You go through a series of things and it creates something. So that's what ritual is. It doesn't need to be always this elaborate thing. Your very thoughts, if you keep them in a certain cycle, become a ritual for yourself. Mm. Yeah? So that's one of the most basic um, elements to it that we always need to remember. Rituals also allow the energies to flow into your space. So again, as I said, if you're keeping, let's just keep it in basic, a positive affirmation that you say to yourself each and every day, in time, let's say it was one to make yourself happy and come out of a depressive mood. In time, you start to find that you're now feeling a lot more elated, a lot more happier. That ritual has transformed your state of being, state of mind, state of emotion. So, so you know, ritual in the non-physical realm, basically. Right. So kind of... Yes. To bring those into alignment almost. Yeah. That's right. Exactly that. And even just to add to that, even just waking up every day, brushing our teeth, going to work, all of those are rituals anyway. Mm -hmm. So we already live a life full of rituals. Um, as Daniel mentioned, what are the purpose of ritual is supposed to bring you into alignment with yourself and your natural equality. So if you're actually doing rituals with intention for your own benefit to work on whatever it is that you want in your life, then you're now designing rituals to elevate yourself. And most of us um, is get involved with rituals that are not necessarily there to serve us, but to serve us to serve the wiser system at home that keeps us separated from nature and our true potential. This is interesting because I think this is where we get into the decolonization aspect, right? right? Because what we what we feed is what grows. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. So I, how I understand it is, um, and I'm curious to see what you think as well, is um we put the ritual the ritual you're born you go to school you get good grades you go overseas <laughs> this is the ritual for everybody in my family right yes that's right you go to university a good university you get your degree mm -hmm. you get a yeah. good job you get married you have children you work you get a house mm -hmm. um and then the cycle begins again, right? So even yeah. that in itself is like, it's a ritual, right? It's a yes. ritual, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ritual. Yeah. Um, but I, and there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that ritual, mm -hmm. but I think the system to which we're putting our energy towards, I think we can all safely say now that system is broken. 
Yeah. Oh, I, 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 absolutely. You know, um, Sister Zai, you bring um, a, a great point up because we, we have to ask this 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 cycle that you mentioned, for instance, yourself and you know going to work and then buying a house and then you know building a family and then dying and then you know you pass it on for somebody else to inherit. Now, if we never had that, let's say, Arab and European and invasion or interruption of African history. What do you think you would have been doing now? I'd have you been. You could have But all that you do has been in service of that system. That and you know, look, I'm not going to knock any system because I me, mean, I don't believe anything in existence is totally and inherently bad. But mm -hmm. where it come, it becomes non-useful because people don't listen. So when Europeans came and were like, the way we elevate and treat our land is not the way that you think of yours because you're coming from a feudal system where a king can own land. The land is for everybody. Yeah, It's the same wisdom you found in, in let's say, the indigenous um, Indians. We, Because we live closer to the land, we have a different understanding of the land. Yeah. So the system that we are in service of, we also become complicit. In the, in the sense of the destruction of ourselves. And I'm talking everybody here. Uh, it's not just Africans. Yeah, because we've all become part of this system. And as much as we see it's killing the planet and ourselves, we can't seem to have the courage to say, but can we rethink how it could be? Yeah, we're, we're just keeping up with the same practices because we've done it for so long now. We think that's the only way there is to do anything. And I think that's 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 the main danger, really. You know. So yeah. What are your thoughts, Verona? Thank you, Dalia. Yeah, no, I would agree. I feel that um, it sounds really bad to say, but I do believe the more that I've been looking, I've reflected on this a lot, particularly this year. That the more that we invest in this system, is the more that we actually enable it, and that we keep ourselves locked within it. And I feel that by mentally divesting yourself the system, particularly physically as well, then you'll put yourself in a position where you can start creating your own reality. Because we can't expect our children to have a different existence if we're still maintaining the status quo. So in order for us to change our reality, we have to change the ritual. The ritual that we've been engaging in is no longer serving us. And to be fair, it probably has never really served us, but we've done it out of habit. And that's the whole point of even spirituality in general, is to break habits that no longer serve you. It's practicing self-mastery. It's, it's applying that level of discipline where you can see this is not beneficial, so I need to let it go. I need to change my own habits of behavior. And I feel that what's happening now as societies, we're collectively recognizing that we need to change our behavioral patterns. So if we're saying we don't like what's going on in certain areas of society, then we need to stop engaging with it. We need to stop giving it power. We need to stop feeding it, whether it's through funding it, whether it's through our energy, whether it's through our attention. We just need to say this is not us and we find our own alternative ways of doing things. And on a spiritual level, this is played out in ritual. So then you invest your energy in what you want to manifest. So as Daniel said himself, um, it may be a case of you wake up in the morning and you do a positive affirmation or a meditation. It may be a ritual where you start to cut certain things out of your life, where you're applying that concept of sacrifice because you're like, this no longer serves me. I need to let it go. And then you may replace that with something else that is serving you. Mm -hmm. So you nourish that with something to fill in. And so by breaking down these aspects that no longer serve us, we allow space to create a new reality. But we cannot allow that space if we're still engaging in the same routines, the same habits, because we're still feeding that very entity that is, is destroying us. So I do feel that that is a very powerful and topical point because right now, this is something that we're all facing. And I, I, I said this earlier on this year, I made a video and saying, I believe that as humanity, we are going through a collective initiation process. Mm. And so we've been pushed in a situation where like, okay, you're gonna have to deal with this. How are you gonna deal with this? Are you gonna deal with this through fear? Or are you going to deal with this through self-mastery, controlling your own emotions, um, being able to pull back from things that no longer serve you? And I feel like this is a very powerful time to come into that self-realization. And it's what you said earlier, Sister Zai, about 
we need to make a choice about spirituality and to see how it can fulfill us. Because if we are stuck in this physical realm, it's going to be very detrimental for our mental health particularly. So this is where that knowledge of self and being able to recognize the power that we hold within and our ability to make change at our own will. Once that intention is there, it's like, you know you're supposed to do it, do it. Stop waiting for everyone else to do it. Stop um, waiting to become the accepted thing to do. You need to step into your power. So I say it's very, very important to create our own rituals that serve us rather than keep us enslaved. Mm. And so this, this, this might be very sort of overwhelming for somebody who's never thought about it this way before. I know I've been talking to a lot of friends that I grew up with, you know, sort of upper middle class Zimbabweans, and I'm just saying we, need, we really need to look at our responsibility as the middle class in Africa in yeah. how we are perpetuating colonization. How can you say that? We got a good education, we got this, we got that. I'm like, yeah, for the system we're propping up, which is not serving the earth, and mm -hmm. it's serving the vast majority of people who are living in this country, and it's creating generations and generations of rulers who are just intent on amassing wealth and they don't look after the people. Like yeah. We need to look at this bougie <laughs> value system and we need to start shifting some stuff, you know? And it's so funny. I mean, they, they're slowly starting to open up to me, but I know that was, it was quite confronting. It took me probably a good 10 years to even stop putting that conversation out because I didn't want to be ostracized in my community. Absolutely. But it's a valid conversation and it's really what we need to have. And it's, it's a global issue because we have bought into this idea, you know, that, oh, I've made it, I've arrived, I'm okay. But that is not working. And if we continue to adopt that mindset, it's just going to continue for future generations at our own detriment. So we do need to have these conversations. And I, I give props to you for addressing it. It needs to be addressed. How do we work up the courage? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how I, I don't know. I think I just, I just got to a point one day where I was like, this is, this is enough for me. I can't. But yeah. somebody who is caught in that ritual, somebody yeah. who has invested $150,000 in their law degree, and they're working at a top law firm defending a mining giant yeah. <laughs> that is, you know, going after a pipeline on sacred land somewhere and somewhere inside of them it doesn't sit right but the money's good yeah that's a very good question that you ask and I, i'd say that it comes with that self-knowledge and self-realization again it reminds me of 10 years ago when we started this journey and to have public conversations about what we were doing it was because there was a big stigma at the time and so even to come out and say we're doing this work we have people say to us why are you doing a subject like that? What was wrong? And why are you talking about Obia 4? And, you know, there's some people who literally fell away in our lives because they couldn't deal with it. But I think we reached a point in our lives where we couldn't, there comes a point where you can't silence yourself anymore. You have to speak your truth. You have to live it and be able to um, put your voice to your cause and say, this is what I stand on. You either stand with me or you don't, but I'm going to speak it. And it's interesting what you mentioned about mining companies and so forth, because when I started this journey as well, I actually worked for one. So that's in complete, really? contradiction, <laughs> complete contradiction to the work that I'm doing. But you know what happened? Mm -hmm. When I start making this, this documentary, my contract ended. So on a spiritual level, they were like, no, this, this is not going to work for you. You can't do it. At the time, I didn't make the correlation. But over time, I've been able to see that that's why it had to go, because it didn't serve where my life was going. And so even though I, you know, I do have my issues about working there, I still see it as though the skill set that I developed was actually from the very place that was so-called corrupt. So I do believe in the transmission of energy and how everything serves its purpose. Yeah. And... Um, once again, it's that self-realization. So everything can be used as a benefit, but it's down to yourself. And I think not to be judgmental. Like that's another thing. I think when whenever I, I talk to people about black, black bougie questioning capitalism, they immediately feel judged. 
And I don't want people to feel judged. I'm like, this is just a conversation starter. I think we need to, we do. We need to look at this honestly as in, is this serving us? Is this going to serve future generations? Well, if there will be anything to support the future generations, you know, the question that you have, what you said, you know, and, and I like the fact that you're trying to get it from a, a perspective so people don't feel bad. Because for all of us, we're, we're un, unwilling accomplices, if you will, you know. This is what we were born into. This was started a long time ago uh, by a, a group of greedy, you know, bloodthirsty, you know, there's, there's no nice words to find for these people who are just motivated by greed, um, you know. So, but it's still worthwhile us, us um, also finding space for resolution, and we can all do a little, a little, a little, you know. Mm -hmm. And this land, as you said, the land might be sacred. Yeah, you don't respect it because all you're thinking about is putting this pipeline and getting all these personal benefits. But what about the pollution to that land? And as you said, the cost of the future generation. Mm -hmm. Will they have anything to eat? Mm -hmm. Do we need how much more oil do we need to stockpile and reserve? And how many more cars do we need to drive? We just have to start asking ourselves. Uh, these serious questions about keeping things going for much longer than the rate at which we're keeping them going now, which seems to have a, a quicker and um, easier shelf life coming. You know, so if we all assume a little bit of responsibility, I think we will also find that we will change some of our behavior patterns. Yeah. Yeah? And so this is where I, I want to get into because we've got what, we've got about twenty minutes left. Now, I just I, I would love to wrap up. Let's talk about the. Okay the shadowy aspect of ritual, right? And I don't mm. even want to get into it from like an African spirituality part. Like, I want to start with just the system that we're all complicit in. Mm -hmm. When I think about, you know, this movement, robes must fall, all these statues. Mm -hmm. When I think about all these churches that have been built on ancient ancestral grounds where people used mm -hmm. to be urged to, you know, have their own rituals. Mm -hmm. Around the world, like wherever, if you just find the oldest cathedral and then yeah. find the indigenous people of that place and say, What was here before? Mm -hmm. Find the parliament, find the indigenous people of that place and say, What was here before? So mm -hmm. let's talk about that okay. and being invested. Like, because this is, I mean, you know, oftentimes I think like the conversation around African spirituality is almost like that's the only demonic satanic, <laughs> that's the only safe demonic satanic things to happen. I'm like, No. Mm -hmm. You don't realize this is going on all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We see that like, the statue on his horse with his with his sword, like you know what was going on there. And yeah. every day you're asking that, and it's been put on a pedestal above you, and you've been made to meditate on that. And even you know the the, the places that are conferring your degrees are steeped in the blood of slavery. Yeah, a lot of you know, like some of these banks that we're putting our money in, like a lot of that was started by funding slavery. A lot of these yeah. insurance companies, so like we we're involved in a lot of blood rituals. Yeah, that has got yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years of energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very so powerful too. You know? Yeah. You know, that's quite a big one. Yeah, I, I, I get the yeah, yeah. Um, it's, um, I, I don't think, A, there's that anyone has the answer because there is no the answer. Uh, there can be many answers that address many aspects of it. But you know, the question is, you know, um, but, um, you know, I think you picked up on very good, um, some very good points, which is, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on only some because time will only allow us to cover some. Okay. True. And um, that, that, right, that, um, you know, all these institutions of power, you find that they were built, often on sacred ancestral ground. Now, that same system will also be telling you that that sacred indigenous knowledge is a bunch of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Yes? But then you, you then have to ask, why, what's the relevance of having, like, for instance, on a school, maybe even on a graveyard? Because at a deep scientific level, we find that everything is energy. Yeah. So what all these systems are doing, they, they, you know, you can you can transmutate, you can misdirect, you can realign energy. So what you're finding is that most of these um, colonizers, they don't just work with the physicality. Yeah, they're getting you locked onto the physicality, but they work with a lot of esoteric, energetic frequencies. This is how you maintain power. This is why 
your systems are so powerful. And this is why they will build particular institutions in particular places, because then they are able to harness the energy fields available in these places to maintain that powerful status. So nothing is by coincidence. Um, it's all by understanding of the energetic forces and processes that we live and I are part of. Yes? So, as you said, we're all in, um, unwilling accomplices indeed. So the best way we can redress this is for us to also, Verona mentioned this earlier, and she, you know, put it in, you live your truth. Yet, when you also do your work suited to yourself, you do automatically two things. First of all, you raise your consciousness and your vibration to come into your own power. And if you're in a state of power enough, you are great enough to also rebut these systems of injustice. Yes? So one of the ways in which we can get to find this world of harmony and balance we're seeking is to live our truth. We also need to keep up these systems of our ancestral um, reverence and communication. Having that pride and respect in our ancestral contributions to history that have been whitewashed. All these things change the energetic frequencies and consciousness of people. Yes, because hey, we're bringing in new information. People now um, understand, oh snap, okay, I'm African, you know what? I'm not as in inferior as, you know, when I go to school, what I'm reading in these books written by these old white men of, of God knows when. Because I realized that nearly everything built in their system was built from the ingenuity of my African ancestors because they had civilizations that came before. And Europe learned from Africa. Definitely. This is not even a, 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 a maybe anymore. We, we know this. We know from Aristotle to, Aristotle to um, Pythagoras, all of these individuals learning in, in the place we now call Egypt today. Yeah, and they were learning African science and African knowledge. I this think even Paris is built, um, is modeled on ancient Egypt, modeled on Cairo. Which one? Paris. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, many, many, many great cities. Washington, D.C., um, Anthony Brother, the African-American scholar, can show you very clearly um, the ley lines and how the, the city was actually built. And interestingly, by a very um, famous enslaved African called Benjamin Banaka. Who had never been to school, but he, he was the first person who wrote um, a, it's like an agricultural calendar. Yeah. So he, he never had any so called education, but he somehow had this knowledge. Because guess what? He would have come from a system, uh, an ancestry, who were already practicing this knowledge in ancient Africa. So that knowledge just came to him. He's actually the one who um, the British Parliament building, um, Big Ben, is named after. Ben or Benjamin. Yes, yeah, and that building is also accredited to his genius. So, you see, again, this is why we say knowledge of knowledge in a sense creates power, yeah, knowledge of self. So, once we start to know all these things, we start to see how this ancestral connection already works. But Benjamin Banneker is a big example of that. Yes, yes, this is an enslaved, uneducated person who built the whole of Washington, D.C., capital of America. Big Ben, Houses of Parliament for England. First person to write an agriculture or, or, or illustrate, I forgot what it was actually called, but it's an agricultural calendar that shows you how the movement of the planets affect yeah. things that are growing. Like a permaculture. Almanac, that's it. Thank yeah. you for kicking my brain. It's no, sorry. Right. I like the part. the word. Yeah. <laughs> but all these things we know. Yeah. And Banaka, again, was living his truth. Because now his memory and his name lives forever. We're talking about him now. Yeah. How did the conversation see all the way here? Because he lived in his power. Yeah. And this is one of the things that we all have to do. Because the system can only be balanced by the work we also put in. Because exactly. we are the ones who will rebut it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah? And we'll, together, we will find balance. The, yeah. minute, because the reason why we don't have balance is there's a tiny group of people who are deciding the destiny of the whole world. So there's already a big imbalance. We will never find anything um, useful for everybody. And on the back of that, uh, Dalia mentioned, uh, by doing the self-work and acknowledging who we are, we raise our vibrational frequency that helps elevate us out of whatever construct they're designed from. Another thing as well is once we look into our African ancestry and when we look at their practices, they're very aware of energy, 
and the, the need to constantly cleanse and protect yes. ourselves. Yes. So this is something that we should be doing. I know that, for example, we live in London, UK. You go to certain parts of central London and you can see all the relics, all the monuments, and you can see they've been doing some heavy spiritual work for years there. But we know it's steeped in some negativity. So it's really important that we apply ritual practices in our life that are dedicated purely just for cleansing and, and protection. And I would say daily, daily. Because we are actually living in you know, whatever, so you need to make sure that you're protected to overcome those things. And this is something our ancestors were very, very, very big on. And I think so this, this concept of decolonizing that we're, we're, we're talking about here is very much looking at yourself as an energy being, looking at yourself yeah, yeah. as a very infinite energy being, you know, as somebody who is the culmination of your thousands of ancestors who have come before, as somebody yeah. who passed on as well, that energy will pass on to thousands of come after as well and we're operating within you know an energy line and we're, we're operating within the earth as well like they obviously they lay lines in the earth the earth is a living being so like yeah. us the earth has got energy meridians as well yeah. and so we have to do our work we have to do our part so that the, the work is as spiritual as it is go vote go do this yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> right mm -hmm. yeah participate perhaps yeah. they yeah. Yeah. There has to be the spiritual work followed by the physical action, and it has to be that balance of the two. So we can talk all day or say we're going to build this, and if we're because you can see it happens all the time. You see certain communities where they're trying to develop things, they're trying to get initiatives off the ground, and so all the emphasis is on the physical. But because they haven't been doing the spiritual work, then you'll find that whatever they're trying to do doesn't get off the ground, or there's corruption and it falls apart. And this happens a lot. And then you get people who are just so focused on the spiritual, but they, they're all in airy fairyland, but they're not actually doing the work that needs to take place here. So there needs to be that balance on both sides. So this, this makes me re really reflect on Australia. And people, if you're out there, please put questions so we can address them. And this is where Australia really fascinates me, because I've, I've, it's almost two decades I've been here, and I find that things rarely take root. And I think a lot of it is because there's issues with um, the massacres that have occurred here. Mm. So it's, it's, that's a challenge, and I think that's something that we have to contend with, even as, you know, black settlers on this land as well. You know, we're mm -hmm. explicit with the system. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that we, we really need to do our work respectfully in that. But then I also think that, um, and it's always fascinated me, and, and, and I knew that there was something to it, but now that you speak about it, Vern, I think maybe what it might be is the uh, the general um, sort of uh, lack of respect for anything religious or spiritual. Mm -hmm. And it's a concerted effort, because like, I think they had like a lot of, back in the 50s and the 60s, from what I understand, there was a lot of tension between the Catholics and the Protestants here. So religion was just sort of, you know, mm. it was just taken out of the public sphere. It's yeah. not something that you really, you know, make a big deal about. But if, if you stand up and you say, I'm Catholic or I love Jesus or I do anything spiritual, people here will look down on you and they'll make fun of you to the point that you oh, just wow. eyes. Wow. I didn't know Australia was like that. It's but is that, is, is that, do you find the same in um, the indigenous community? Because you mentioned one that you, you kind of um, find and work with or are in contact with. Oh, so I live, on the land, the, I live on the land of the Bonorong um, people. Oh, yes. I, yes. I make an effort to know whose lands I'm living Right, yes. Uh -huh. And I try my hardest because it's the same issue where you don't have well-documented information. So I try yeah. my hardest learn the traditional knowledges as well. Mm -hmm. Do you um, know if any appeasements have been done for the ancestors that you said that the, the massacre that's taken place? Uh, is there anything that's like annual or anything that's done in honor of the ancestors? Because that is needed. Australia, there's some heavy cleansing needed for Australia. It's heavy. It's really mm -hmm. heavy. And mm -hmm. I think um, the, the, the discussions have only happened at a political level. So I, I, I kind of feel like um, as you're talking about, you know, raising, even if I were to go to somebody and say, you need to raise your vibration, you need to engage in spiritual, like I do that, like I, I try my best to, you know, be aware of my energy when I'm going into spaces, but that's also coming from performing. 
Yeah. Oh, the influence that I can have on people by being on stage when yeah. I speak, when I sing. Like I am very aware of, and I, you know, I'm becoming more aware of that. But for the average person to actually understand themselves as a spiritual energy being within this context, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a very lovely challenge for us here. Ah, yeah. uh, yes, yes, yes. Like but, I, I don't know how we offer it to people. Like, how how do you how do you offer that red pill without it being? A yeah, well, yeah. you know, our job is easier now. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because we have this thing called, as I said, the quantum science, and quantum science is an ex, uh, it's, it's accepted as a more involved and more thorough version of scientific knowledge than the empirical one that came before, mm-hmm. which was when Europeans were starting to learn about certain processes, yeah? Certain processes that some had been mastered in Africa centuries and millennia before. So, it, again, it's, it's a, almost like a natural progression. So it's coming. Um, you know, we, we, we will find and fit into that space. But I was also just going to ask you because, you know, one of the things that we always uh, considered and thought of was the fact that one of also the last remaining aspects to African spirituality that we have always liked to develop would be to bring in that Australian, that indigenous uh, voice. Because the systems, you know, because we, we, we do the work and we've done it to a great detail, we can see exactly how it maps and is an African-derived spiritual system. Because, you know, um, I, I, there's a, a man here called uh, uh, Benny Wenda. He's um, head of the... West Papua and liberation movement, yeah? And I went to listen to him at a talk here, and he was saying the same thing about his ancestors and where they said they came from, and yeah. the direction they, 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 they followed the star, yep. And they back again, it takes us back to the continent. So that would be the final chapter in um, African um, ancestral voices if we could yeah. ever do a third film. So if you have that conversation. I can definitely link you up with some folks. What makes it really interesting about being in Australia, what I've learned as well, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this, but most people are of the opinion that their, their creation must say that they came from here. They didn't come from anywhere else. They mm. are created here. So for them, it's actually like, a, a, a and I, I don't know whether it's like the manufactured tension between the African and the Aboriginal, which happens, right? On a okay. Yeah, um, But there, I know some very some very outspoken people who will say to me flat out, Africa, like we didn't all come from Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. African people have always been here. We didn't come from here. Um, wow. That said, I know a brother I can introduce you to who, and, and someone else who mentioned it to me, I can't remember who exactly it is now, but I'll, I'll try to remember. They've looked at the, um, the north west coast which would then slot into the Indian subcontinent and then slot, slot into Africa. Mm-hmm. A lot of those the rock sediments there match up quite beautifully with um, rock mm-hmm. sediments that are in Africa as well. So in my yeah. mind, I'm just like, well, you know, yeah, you could have originated on this landmass, but this landmass wasn't always here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even that it was part of another, it was only one landmass, if anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, so that's, uh, but I don't, you know, I'm the where we are right now in Australia in terms of just the tension between sort of like the the colonial government and the Aboriginal struggle, and then us here as black settlers. It's kind of like must be so. You know, you know, a family argument. You just cut the wait for the family to figure out what they want to say to the white yeah. girl. You're just like, Yo, uh-huh. I'm on your side, but I'm just waiting so I know what you want me to do. Because yeah, 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 yeah. To, 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 to assist in solidarity. Yeah. 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 He was open. I'm here and I'm quiet, but what do you need? <laughs> but you're still waiting here. What do you need? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, but I can definitely introduce you to like a few people because I think that would be a very a very profound and, and important part because I know for a fact that uh, for the migrants who are here in Australia, like regardless of where they've come from, whether it was Second War and they came from Eastern Europe or Southern Europe, you know, uh, and whether they, you know, the African migration and since the 70s and stuff like that, we all tend to be quite spiritual and so we find it quite confronting that the space isn't accepting of that mm-hmm. spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's a younger generation, from what I can take up, 
kind of feel boxed in by Islam and the Christianities, but they don't know how to engage with the traditional African spirituality. Right, yes, and then, of course, yes. there's the issue of these fake healers all over the internet. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so Nothing like exploitation for a fraudster, eh? Gold, gold, gold rush. I, I would use this opportunity to plug our free five day e course. If anyone generally wants to learn and wants somewhere to start out, the free five day e course, I think, is a good place. Yeah. And it's also available to a website, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the, la the last thing as well is, don't. All these healers online, when you have people approaching you on your social media feed saying, I can give you a reading, I've seen some case in your family line, all of that, ignore. And all of these are fear-based tactics that, again, uh, it's like a form of predatory capitalism. They just yeah. have your money. They have nothing to give to you. They're just uh, a minions of that larger oppressive system. You know, and um, again... Give yourself time. Most of the answers, you know, it might sound very airy fairy to say that, but again, as I said, for me, I well, I received training later, but because I was willing and comfortable to listen to what I could feel and know was my own uh, grandmother's spirit, he guided me and he took me and he opened the path. Yeah. I would suggest each and every one of us also do that. Yeah, and if you really feel that you are of value, worthy, and powerful enough. Give yourself a chance. Start with yourself. Believe in yourself and allow yourself to, to, to bond with this knowledge and let it expand you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the most key place to start before you even think of any healer. No healer can do something for you without your permission. Exactly. If you are not given that energetic um, acceptance, nothing's going to work. Yeah. Yeah? So we need to really appreciate ourselves as a key essential spot yeah. or always develop your own relationship with your own ancestors first build your intuition and sit with that as balance because that is where the primary knowledge will come from i would always recommend doing that before seeking any form of external spiritual counsel and there's many people who advance themselves so much that they don't need any form of it at all because the knowledge is within within it's about learning to trust yourself and believing yourself and that actually is the biggest hurdle we've always discovered. We've been so used to looking outside of ourselves for answers that we don't believe we're capable. And so it's about letting go of that old paradigm of you know thinking and know that this is in me. All yeah. those billions of ancestors going back to the very, very first source of life exist within you. That's why in African spiritual thought you are an extension of God because you, your oldest ancestor is God. So believe that in yourself. And into that I would thoroughly agree with that. And I always, I always say, you know, to folks, I say, you know, you have to ask for the ones who love you the most and want the very best for you to come forward. Exactly. But, to, exactly. you know, and for me, I think I always started with my grandmother. I've got a, I had a very beautiful relationship with my grandmother. We were very, very close. Like, to the point that everybody in my family knew that we were very close. So when she passed on, like, I just continued that Aww. relationship with her, you know. So I always feel, and so I think it's that, that learning to... Just being in conversation with her sometimes even just quietly yeah you know when things were happening i'd be like go mm, go what's up like <laughs> you know and then i would know and i think that's kind of how mm -hmm. it developed and then the curiosity came but i i find like with um even like with the resources that you have or the these other resources that i've bought it's almost an affirmation of what i already know if things yeah. don't resonate it's not yeah it's yeah. not mm, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. But you see, you have to be confident in yourself, Gogo, to allow that process to happen. And this is what most people don't do. It's almost like they're afraid of themselves. Yeah. Or rather, what they will find about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, you cannot, you have to take responsibility for yourself first and foremost. But it's also the colonial programming. So a lot of us think that, oh my God, am I going to have some demonic voice coming out and talking to me? The people's minds go all the way left. And so I would say definitely get yourself out of negative thinking because that will draw experience to you anyway. So just, you know, raise your vibration, as we said already. Your, as you said, your answers are here to help you. So think on that positive side. You know, there's too much doom and gloom and negativity that has been put in our minds intentionally to keep us away from our own spirit and potential. And that, that the fact that it's the 
that the first thought that comes to everybody's mind is that it's negative. Is actually, yeah. I was just like, something's wrong here. Exactly. It speaks for And it's the biggest, it's the most beautiful present. You know, I think it's the most it's the most beautiful gift that we have we have been offered. And and as somebody who loves to read, there's nothing better than knowing yourself. Like you are the best book out there. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much. We've reached the end of the I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to add. I would love to know how people can get in touch with you as well. Okay, so yeah, people can touch base with us at ancestralvoices.co.uk. Um, on there, you can find articles. Um, we've got video content. We've got our documentaries, books, and it also has links to our social media sites. We're also quite heavy on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also the YouTube channel. So go check us out. Just definitely have a browse and find out more about what we do. There's also a range of free resources that you can, you know, start using slowly, develop them yourself and that journey that will be so essential to yourself. Mm. Sister Zach, thank you very thank much. You. For having us. Thank you. Very good. I just want to highly recommend the DVDs. Like I've got them in Vimeo. Okay. Mm -hmm. cool. As well. Yeah. Uh -huh. No. So yeah. I, I would really highly recommend that, and also like getting the book as well. You know, so. Um, I think the first of every month is Black Pound Day in the UK, right? Yes, that's yes. right now. Yes. Well done for knowing. I like that. <laughs> I've been telling everybody, we need to support black businesses. <laughs> and I know that a lot of this work has just been done out of your own pocket as well. And it's, it's over a decade now. So I highly <laughs> encourage everybody to, to put energy and um, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for just how instrumental, and your ancestors, but just how instrumental, you know, the work that you've done has been in my journey. And for me, you know, being able to be bold enough now to go, all right, people, we're going to talk about African spirituality. And it's going to be And I'm a little bit nervous because, you know, yes, I know this is what you're thinking, but let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well done to you too for taking that step yeah. and saying, yeah, I'm going to speak in my power. Yeah, so you thank us and we also thank you because you're also that expansion and you exactly. will take your further and further and further. So, yeah, we, we thank you for that. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful morning. I will leave thank you to it. Your wonderful Sunday. <laughs> yes, you too. Yeah, take good care. Thank all you. Right, thank you. Bye bye. Bye Thanks for joining us all. See ya. It was written. It doesn't matter how many times I listen to this particular conversation, I'm just completely blown away every single time. I love listening back to this. Um, and I hope you do too, now that you've got it. You can access it, share it with your friends, um, share it with your family, journal about it, keep meditating on it, listen to it over and over again. Um, there'll always be new wisdom coming through. And definitely get your hands on their resources at ancestralvoices.co.uk. My name is Sister Zai, and we've come to the end of episode nine of Life Seen Through a Sister Zai podcast, where we're asking the question, what is the meaning of success? What does it mean to be African in the 21st century? Under the hashtag, Black Bougie and Questioning Capitalism. I'd love to hear from you. Please send me a note. You can do that if you're listening on Spotify. Um, and you can also contact me at Sister Zai. S-I-S-T-A-Z-A-I is my um, social media handle and you can find a contact me form in the uh, link in my bio and across all of my social media platforms. I love to hear from you. That's next week. We'll be um, starting a new conversation, um, a conversation that I had with Tiffany Anderson. She runs a beautiful tour company that hmm, I'm really quite excited to introduce people to. Or we might be listening to hip-hop artist, Zimbabwean hip-hop artist, who's based in Uganda by the name of Dimitri and the Scarecrow. We'll see. It's a toss-up. And I haven't forgotten about uh, the, the conversation that we started with Mwalimu Saki Mapundikwa. Like I said, I realized that it was the perfect time to open up what he had to say about African alphabets and um, embracing African knowledge systems. Um, in how we teach and how we do design in Africa. 
And then I realized that before we could go on, we needed more scaffolding. We need more scaffolding from the conversations that came after, after when I spoke to him so that you can really understand that very Zimbabwean specific conversation that I had with Mualimu. And you can apply it more broadly across the world because as you know, these issues are not just <laughs> about Zimbabwe. These issues are global. They're global issues. Um, we've all inherited a system of racial capitalism and the world is in crisis. The environment is in crisis. Mother Nature is in crisis. And it's time for us to answer the call. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next week for another fresh episode on Life Seen Through a Sister's Eye podcast. It was written.